Welcome. Welcome. Oh, good. A few of us are are still awake here in this evening. Does anybody else hear the pad still going, or is that just me? The, the audio something I don't I don't know what's going on but it's driving me crazy I don't know what it is maybe it's just in my head it's probably just in my head and that's totally fine um, but I am glad you are here tonight we are going to have um, an interesting conversation now I don't know if you have heard this phrase before but maybe you have maybe you haven't let's get there it's okay not to be okay have you heard this phrase Okay, um, especially with uh, mental health and method- mental health awareness stuff, this is a big phrase. This is a phrase that is used a lot on a lot of things that I have seen on a national level of mental health stuff. Now, this is something that I, Bree and I both have heard. We heard it many, many years ago, and we use it a lot. Um, I want to inform you that there's a comma and not a period at the end of this. Um, if you ever see this with a period, that, that's not where the sentence ends. It's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. Okay, and we're going to talk about some mental health stuff tonight. Now, um, I'm going to do my best really quickly to talk about some mental health stuff tonight. Um, We're going to look into the word. We're going to look at some people that were completely nuts. Uh, His name was David. Um, We're going to look at some people that were completely nuts in Scripture, and you're like, dude, chill out with the drama, man. Um, But... In reality, this whole idea of mental health is a very serious thing, especially in our current American culture today. I am going to also do my best to help you work through mental issues. Okay? I am not going to give you an end-all, this is how you solve all of your mental, um, your emotional insecurities, your emotional um, I love the old movie Tarzan, where the elephant finally yells at the gorilla, and he's like, I'm tired of your emotional constipation. And he grabs him, and he throws him in the water, and then they go save the girl or whatever it is. Um, I love that line. It's hilarious. I'm not going to say that to you tonight, okay? Um, I'm not tired of your emotional constipation. If you are emotionally constipated, I apologize. Um, welcome to Chi Alpha. We're a spiritual laxative. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's what we need on a t-shirt. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Uh, we're not doing that. That's not happening. That's not happening. Because it's not. It is impossible. It is impossible to be mature, spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Some of you are like, oh, interesting. Christian spirituality without an integration of emotional health can be deadly to yourself, your relationship with God, and the people around you. It's okay not to be okay. It really, really is. But it's just not okay to stay that way. We have to have this idea of of moving and changing things. When you are sick, when you are physically sick, most of the time there are people that live this way, but when you are physically sick, you go and find out how to be not physically sick anymore. Those of you, which is the grand majority of you who are athletes, when you hurt yourself, you go see a trainer. Maybe they're a good trainer. Maybe they're not a good trainer. And you have to go see a doctor after you go see the trainer. I don't know. But when you have a physical problem, you see somebody to help you out with that. If you have a health issue, you find somebody to help you in that issue. And yet for some reason, when it comes to this idea of mental health, we want to keep it to ourselves. We want to back away. We don't want help. But as you can see, if you have any desire at all whatsoever... To be spiritually healthy, to have a healthy relationship 
with Jesus, then we also have to talk about this idea of emotional health. Hooray! Isn't this exciting? All right. We're going to talk about David. Um, Now, the Bible is an interesting thing uh, because you would think when it comes to humans in the Bible, we would have the most information about Jesus. Now, while the Old Testament and the New Testament, the entire, this entire book is pointing you to Jesus. But when it comes to actual history of human beings on the planet, we have the most information about this guy. We have information about when he was a kid, when he was a kid. We have information about when he was kind of a teenager, when he fought Goliath. Could you imagine that 16-year-old, like, fighting a dude that's over nine feet tall? Um, That's weird. Uh, I got a rock, sucker. Anyway, uh, he spent a lot of time by himself with sheep, which... Here's the thing, though. He actually was emotionally healthy until he stopped spending a bunch of time with just a bunch of sheep. Because people are wonderful. Um, They're not taxing. They're not difficult. um, Because I'm sure that every single person in this room, you've never fought with your roommate. Uh, You've never had an issue at all with the people on your teams. You've never... Stop laughing at people who are your roommate looking at them. That's not not appropriate. Figure this out outside of Chi Alpha. Uh, (laughs) You've never had a problem. You've never fought with your parents. That's a great relationship that everybody in this room obviously has. Your parents have great relationships with each other. Some of you are like, oh, I don't think so. Um, some of you are like, they were never even married. It's kind of crazy. Or however it is. Um, we know that people interacting with other people can cause problems. And David, David has some of the most wonderfully emotional roller coasters. And he wrote them down for you to read later. <laughs> How awesome is that? Uh, some of you are like, I've done that before. It's like, well, nobody's going to read that. Um, but David, <laughs> David wrote them down. David wrote them down, and they're actually super helpful. So we're going to take a couple, look at one of them. Psalm chapter 62. We're going to read the entirety of this chapter. Now, some of you are like, I have to read a whole chapter. It's a chapter in the Bible. It's like one page. Um, <laughs> chill. Okay. I wait quietly before the Lord. This word wait doesn't exist in our vocabulary. What do you mean wait? You mean like once I push the 30-second timer on my microwave. That's about the length I can wait before it's like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get something else to eat. I can't wait that long. Uh, that's, nah, that's not worth it anymore. There's a cold bag of popcorn on the table. I'd rather eat that. Uh, but I wait quietly before the Lord, for my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man. This is kind of where he talks about God. And he's like, oh, this is exciting. I wait quietly for the Lord. Everybody hates me. And everybody's trying to attack me. So many enemies against one man. All of them trying to kill me. That was an amazing echo. (laughs) To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. Like, I need to be careful with exactly how I read this because I'm a little bit reading into the text. Like, David is this, like this really quick roller coaster kind of a, of a guy. He, he wasn't-ish. Sometimes he was. But as you can see already, and we haven't even gotten halfway through the chapter yet, he starts off with, I'm going to wait quietly before the Lord. But while I do that, I want to explain some things. God, why does everybody hate me? Why is everybody trying to kill me? Why do I have so many enemies 
Now, some people in your life, if you go to them and you're like, I have all these people that hate me. Um, if you came to me and told me that, we would stop for just a moment and be like, okay, time out. Context is a little different. He actually had people that were actually physically trying to kill him. Calm down. If you do, we <laughs> don't talk to me. Let's go talk to some people <laughs> with badges. Um, that's it's a different thing. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me behind their hearts. But curse me in their hearts. Uh, if you can think, maybe this is really easy for you to imagine, or maybe it's like a distance past for you of thinking of people in your life, maybe that have told lies about you, uh, that you know praise, praise you to your face, but behind your back, they're not praising you. You know those people. Really quickly, before we think of these other people, I want you to stop for a moment and think about how often you've done this. Because you've done this. Almost guaranteed. You have done this. I've done this. And if you're like, I don't think so. Okay. We can have another talk. That's a whole different subject, but uh, we, we can have the talk. Anyway, they praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in him. This is an amazing verse, by the way. Because he is talking about how, how terrible... It is in his life. All the things that he's coming against. If you recall, right before we started with worship, right before we started singing and stuff like that, I asked you, how many of you are completely stress-free? And you're all like, we're all stress-free. Nobody in here has any problems. Nobody in here has any homework that they're thinking about literally at this moment going, oh, crap, that's due in an hour. Um, <laughs> you don't have that problem. I know that because uh, it happens every single year. Uh, but he's having his... Not fit, that's not the right word, but he's having this issue that's going on, but then he, he backs up just for a second. And he goes back to his first statement, which he knew, he knew was true. Because, let's be real, not everybody in the world was trying to kill David. Just like not everybody in your life is out to get you. I hope that's not news for you, but you need to know not everybody in your life is out to get you you have a complex and you're actually using yourself as an idol that you're worshiping your fear. Isn't that exciting? Hooray for that. All right. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Talking about God. My fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. So as you can see, the roller coaster of emotions about going back up. And then he does this. Common people are as worthless as puff of wind. And the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them all on scales together, they are lighter than a breath of air. Like, dude, David, chill, buddy. Um, don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. This is one of the Psalms, and there's a lot of them. Not all of them do this, and not all of them were written by David. I understand that. 
But there's a several times you can go throughout the history of the Psalms. You can go out through even David's life, even outside the Psalms and some of the other books that have information about David. And there's a lot of times where he has these crazy emotional roller coasters. At least that's what it appear, at least from our trying to understand what the Bible says. What does this mean for you? This means it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. Who's a... It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Rhythm. Um, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, I am a drummer. I love to drum. I enjoy it. I'm not like the greatest drummer, but I, I really do enjoy it. Now, something that drives me nuts, we were on a Chi Alpha trip, and they started doing that one weird game where somebody starts a beat, and then somebody else adds to the beat, and this, they keep adding to this beat, and like... My mind is exploding as I'm driving, and I'm gripping the steering wheel even harder because it's, I can't, because the beat gets off and it drives me nuts. If I'm standing next to you in church, and you are not clapping on beat, I will politely put my arm around you and hold one of your hands, or both at the same time and say thank you Jesus for the blood applied to your I'm going to kill you if you just keep clapping like that with joy in my heart uh, no, I have emotional problems apparently with people clapping but rhythms okay but when something is on rhythm rhythm does this if you don't know I mean it's, it's steady but the rhythm like think of your, one of your favorite songs the rhythm while it is a steady tempo the rhythm can sometimes pick up. The tempo stays the same. The rhythm picks up. Sometimes it slows down. Sometimes it picks up. Sometimes it gets loud. It gets exciting. And then sometimes it slows down. Close, or it, it slows down. But the, the tempo stays the same. It still has that same rhythm throughout the song. Unless it's poorly written or poorly recorded. Um, or you're listening to us play on Sunday morning. Um, then our, our rhythm. No, we tried one time with the click in our ear. <laughs> um, but rhythm, rhythm is an important thing. Here's the other thing, though. Rhythm is part of your life. We need to understand that our, that our life has a rhythm to it. And so you may have spiritual highs or even emotional highs. You may have spiritual or emotional lows. Just like you have physical highs and physical lows. Those of you that like to work out. Like you have a physical high when you can bench whatever it is. I, I don't bench. Um, I do. I just not very much. Um, I can squat a freight train. I cannot bench to save my life. Um, that's not true. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. It's a few pounds lighter than that. Anyway, uh, but, but sometimes even when you're working out or even for your sport, you do really, really well. Whatever that craft is, you play really, really well. And then you turn around and you play another game and it's the worst of your entire life. You're like, what the crap? But if that happens in our physical lives, we need to understand that that's also something that happens in our emotional and spiritual moments. But it's still supposed to be this rhythm. Here's the thing. We got to find out how we stay with this rhythm. Even when the tempo, or not the tempo, but even when it changes, when it gets high, when it gets low, we can still have this moment right here this this is what it looks like to have peace in your life this is what it looks like to have joy in your life this is what it looks like not necessarily just to be even keel and not to have any emotion or anything like that but this is to know where the tempo rests 
where it resides, where, where that nice place of rhythm is, where you can have this and you can have this, but it always comes back to this steady rhythm. Rest. Some of you are like, oh, thank God. Now, I've heard it said before, and I completely agree that sometimes a nap is one of the most spiritual things you can possibly do. <laughs> now, here's what's really interesting to me. Um, I've been going over this idea of talking about this emotional health kind of stuff and this idea of rest. And I kid you not, there's been about three or four students that I've met with this week, and we've talked about this. How do you rest? When you rest, how does, how does this happen to you. What's really interesting is that the Bible, um, God designed and commanded his people to rest. You are commanded to rest. Some of you are like, thank God, that's a command. That is a command I can get behind. Here's the thing. Some of you may close your eyes. You may sleep at night, but you have no rest. And you know it's true because you wake up going, oh my gosh, I have this and this and this and this and this and this this to do. You may have sleep, but you have no rest. Exodus 28 through 11 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Just in case the readers of this didn't understand what that verse just meant, because there's a period at the end of it, he goes, in case you're wondering, this includes you. (laughs) Shock. Also... Even though I said everybody, what, what I mean is this includes you and your sons and daughters and your male and female servants and your livestock and any foreigners living among you. This is everybody. Everybody gets rest. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. If we're talking about rhythms, if we're talking about emotional health, you have to understand that you have to find time to rest. This is not like a suggestion This is literally a command in the Bible. Okay, the Ten Commandments. Like, if I were to ask you, let's say you have no idea what the Ten Commandments are. Some of you are like, guilty. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what they are, but you know, probably breaking them is a bad thing. If you go through the list of the Ten Commandments, there's one God. um, All these, you see, I can't even list them off the top of my head. Okay, don't murder people. That's a good one. But what's really interesting, this, the fourth command is remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, rest, rest, rest. But for whatever reason, we actually celebrate people that break that commandment. Oh man, he's a hard worker. And he's always at work. He's always doing this. And he's, oh man, that guy's, that guy's amazing. We celebrate breaking one of the commandments of God. We do this as a culture. It's very, very weird. Now, we're going to look at a verse in a minute. I'm not trying to tell you if that you have no rest in your life that you should be like all right next 24 hours i'm not doing nothing i'm not going to class uh not doing any of those things okay pump the brakes pump the brakes okay um you're still trying to find this rhythm remember we're still trying to find that place of rhythm that place of peace that place of steadiness where we know god's hand is moving god's hand is upon us how awesome would that be if you walked into class and you knew god's hand was upon you that would change things so we're going to talk about rest You want emotional health? You need to rest. This is true for physical health. We know this already. You could buy a Garmin, not me, 
But you could buy a Garmin, and after you run, it can be like, you need to rest for however many hours. Obviously, not running. Um, but you can buy those things. They, there are coaches and all this stuff. Okay, you need to take, you know, this is going to be an easy day for whatever it is that your sport is or those kinds of things. You are required to have rest in your physical bodies for a sport or for any kind of an athletic something. And yet we don't do that. We don't purposefully make time to do that in our spiritual and our emotional lives. And it's breaking a command of God. Now, this is not a catch-all. And this is not some magical thing that if you do this, all your emotional health issues will be gone. All your spiritual health issues will be gone. But this is a fantastic place to start. It's this idea of rest. Some of you, especially y'all fresh, you, freshmen. That was a weird how that came out of my mouth. But y'all freshmen. I wore a hat, cowboy hat today. I can't help it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why your arm does this when you talk with a southern accent, but it's weird, y'all. Um, but especially those of you who are freshmen who are just getting into this idea of college, and you're like, dude, this is nuts. College is crazy. It is. And something I say every single year, that graduation is a celebration that the easiest part of your life is over. Uh, so those of you that are like, okay, but we have to learn about this idea. We really have to practice. Right now, I really encourage you to figure out how to practice this idea of rest. Now, in Jewish tradition, when they would read this and when they would actually practice the Sabbath, uh, they would literally do it from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. So they wouldn't work. They wouldn't do nothing. They would prepare everything the day before. Uh, or a couple of days before, but nobody was allowed to do anything. Then it got really, really weird, and they started adding laws to it, like you can't do this, you can't do that. Now this, this you can do. I mean, you can, you can give your cow water, but you cannot untie them. What? If your cow runs away, sorry, you can't go get them. Bummer. You have to wait till tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Like, just all these crazy rules that they add to it. And Jesus is actually walking along the road with his disciples. And they're literally just walking. I guess walking you're allowed to do on the Sabbath, or you were a Jewish tradition. They're allowed to walk along the road, and this is what's going on. Jesus and his disciples are walking. And one of his disciples, or probably all, however many were with him, 12, I don't know, however many were happened to be with him at that time, maybe more. And they're walking along, and it's on the edge of a grain field. And they're grabbing the heads of the grain, and they're, they're pulling it off. They weren't stealing it. They were allowed to do this in Jewish custom. And they were just breaking off the little kernels of, of wheat, and they were eating these kernels of wheat. Which doesn't sound like work. It's like they're just walking, and they're eating. But people saw this. They're like, ooh, they're harvesting grain. Like, I feel like Peter would have looked at his hand and be like, dude, there's like six kernels in there. Not harvesting. I just pulled some off. Uh, but they're harvesting grain. And the, the leading religious leaders are losing their minds because they're working on a Sabbath. We'll get to that. But Oswald Chambers said this, The busyness of, the thing, of things obscures our concentration on God. Never let a hurried lifestyle disturb the relationship of abiding in Him. This is an easy thing to allow, but we must guard against it. We must guard against it. In Mark 2, 7, they're all getting 
their robes in a wad. <laughs> I don't know. Um, because they're, they're pulling grain out of this field. And Jesus is like, dude, time out. Y'all. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now some of you are like, that sounds great. I don't know what that means. Um, that was cool. Uh, but the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What Jesus is saying is this. You were designed, God gave you the gift of rest, the gift of Sabbath, so you can chill the, out. That's going to sound like I said something on the recording. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> anyway, but so you can chill out and actually have a day of rest. Not so you can come up with a bunch of other reasons of why, oh, that person broke it. <sighs> How dare you? Think about this. When was the last time you took 24 hours? Like a full 24 hours and you shut your dumb phone off and all the other electronics you have and maybe you went outside and you just chilled with a fishing pole or whatever. I know some of you are like, that sounds absolutely terrible. That is not resting at all. I hate worms. Fishing, that is dumb. About it. Teeny, you and I, I'm not spending 24 hours fishing. Um, that's, that's not happening. There are three principles of a biblical Sabbath. So I'm going to help you a little bit on how to Sabbath. This first one's super difficult. Let's pray and go home. Just kidding. Um, for, stop. Simply stop. If you continue to go and go and go and go and go and go, you are guaranteed to burn yourself out. One of the biggest car races in the world is Le Mans, Le Mans or whatever, however it is. It's a 24-hour race, and these cars are going stupid, stupid fast. In all reality, they're not going insanely fast. Most of the time... It's whoever's engine can run the hottest for the longest and without exploding. But most of the time, usually your top five or ten teams, I haven't looked at it in the last forever. Watch Ford first Ferrari. That's kind of talks about that race. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, if you don't like cars, don't watch it. But honestly, what happens is these cars keep going and going and going and going and going and going. They don't get rest. They keep going and going and going and going. And then usually an engine explodes or something like that, and the car dies, and then you can't finish the race. If any of you are ever runners or any type of long distance of any kind, if you started right out the gate and you sprinted your legs off and were like, I'm going to win, and you just took off, the chances of you getting caught are like, you're going to get caught. <laughs> it ain't going to go well for you. But stop. Psalm 46.10 says this, be still. And know that he is God. Be still. Be still. We stop on Sabbath because God is on the throne. Assuring us the world will not fall apart if we cease our activities. If you fail to Sabbath. If you fail to take time. I'm not telling you to take 24 full hours and just shut the world off. That's not what I'm saying. But if you fail to find rest. If you fail to spend time on purpose with God. What you're saying is that what you are doing is so important, it's more important than God. 
So you have taken your job, you have taken whatever it is, and has made that an idol that is more important than God. Also, one of the Ten Commandments, don't make an idol. So we've got two of them. Sabbath, no idols. Good deal. We'll get the rest of the eight some, at some point in time during the semester. Number two, rest. Now, some of you are like, I can sleep. <laughs> some of you are currently sleeping with your eyes open. It's okay. Uh, you know, I've heard many pastors tell the joke, you know, if you get nothing out of my sermon, at least you got a nap. Um, but why not? Um, if, if, here's the thing, I, I kid you not, if you are so ridiculously tired and you're like, I can't, I can't do it, come to Chi Alpha anyway and take a nap in God's presence with us. Totally fine with it. Now, if you start snoring, I'm going to pour water down your throat. Um, that's just how, how, how we roll in here. Uh, but, but rest. Now, this is not, this is not necessarily sleeping. Okay? Rest and sleep can be two different things. Now, rest and sleep can be the same thing. But I'm saying rest. Like chill. When was the last time you just took two hours where you went and did something that brings life to you? Now, runners, I don't get you guys. This whole runner's high thing, we've talked about this before. I don't understand it. But something I do understand, like I love to cycle. I love riding my bike. Honestly, I could be out in the middle of nowhere like 20 miles away from here. And like that is rest to me. Like that is peaceful. Am I breathing heavy? Yes. Are my legs on fire? Yes. Do I have to tell them to shut up? Yes, shut up legs so I can listen to God. You know, those kinds of things. Um, But for just a little bit of time getting away from all the stuff you've got in your life. The stuff you are doing is not that important. You could be working. Never mind. We won't go there. Um, Rest. Genesis 2-2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. When we stop and rest, this is so fantastic. When we stop and rest, we acknowledge our humanity and the image of God in which we were created. We are allowing ourselves to recognize the image of God within us, and we can worship God by saying, God, you rested on the seventh day. I'm going to take some time to rest. Now, Sabbath, I would argue, needs to happen every single day. Obviously not 24 hours every day. That's silly. But even if it was just 15, 20 minutes a day, because we're not done yet, we stop, we rest, we also delight. Just resting, just stopping is not Sabbath. You're taking a nap. You also have to delight or contemplate. You have to delight in who God is. The reason we stop is to recognize that God is God. That he's got whatever it is that you've got going on in your life. Your emotional problems, your physical problems, your spiritual problems, whatever they may be. Because listen, I have heard many of your stories. I know some of your stories. I don't know all of your stories. But I know that everybody in this room at some point in time goes through some stuff that you're like, I don't know how to handle this. And if you haven't been there, praise God for you. But you will walk through that one day, I promise. But... As you're walking through that, you can still, even when things are going crazy, when it's loud, when the drummer won't stop hitting the cymbals, you know, whatever it is, you can still find that rhythm. You can still find that peace. 
Because you can have peace in the middle of chaos. But that only happens with the presence of God. So we have to learn to delight in who God is. Psalm 37, 4 through 6 says this. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Now some of you are like, my heart's desires to win the lottery. Okay, hang on. Let's read the whole sentence or that whole first sentence. Take delight in the Lord. Because if we're taking delight in the Lord, we're allowing him to have this and to have this. So suddenly this and this are now lining up. Your thoughts and your emotions are lining up with what God wants because we're delighting in who he is and we're focusing on who he is instead of, well, I've got this paper and this project and these people to talk to and all these other things going on. But it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. Commit everything. If there are things in your life you cannot commit to the Lord, get them out of your life. Relationship, job, don't care. If there are things that you're like, I cannot commit that, then God is not your Lord. Commit everything to the Lord. You do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. Now, if I were to have a conversation with everybody in this room, it would be very, very difficult for the majority of you to describe yourself as innocent. Like, think about your physical past, your, your, the stuff that's gone on in your life. That's hard. Like, we can see kids and be like, oh, they're innocent. But you talk about yourself. You, I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking like, look at your heart. Like, the stuff going on in here. To call yourself innocent, like, that's like, eh, I don't know there. But this is what's amazing about finding rest in God is that he still sees your innocence. Even when you don't see it. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. Because you have found rest. You're finally in rhythm with the creator. Your thoughts, your desires, your wants, your needs are in line with his. Psalm 94, 19 says this, when doubt fills my mind or anxiety, and other translations actually translate this as the word anxiety, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Sometimes sighing is also a very spiritual thing. Um, but 2 Corinthians 12 to 10 says this, this is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and in hardships, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul is saying here, when I acknowledge that I don't have this, when I acknowledge that I am not okay, when I actually acknowledge it, I can then find healing and find out that I can be okay. It's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. You were created in the image of God, in his image. And if he takes a day to rest, you can take a little bit of time every day to rest. Find some time on the weekend. I don't know. Your schedule is nuts. It's weird. You have class at like, where you have weights at five in the morning and then you have workout in the afternoon and all these other weird stuff. Yeah, and your, your schedules are nuts. It's true. I'm okay with that. Find some time. What would it look like? Honestly, like for real truly, what would it look like if you could, if you purposefully made a VIP appointment with God every day for 15 minutes 
Like you scheduled a note or you scheduled something in your phone. It's like the next 15 minutes or these 15 minutes every single day. This is something I'm going to do every day. I'm going to spend 15 minutes with God. I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to put my headphones on and listen to worship music. I'm going to read a chapter or a verse from the Bible. And I'm going to purposefully spend time with God today. 15 minutes. I'm going to do it today. And at this point in time, every single day, I set an alarm. This is when I'm doing it. I would tell you your life would come. Your life will change. Maybe not completely, but your life will change. Take some time to rest. Take some time to rest. We are emotionally immature or anemic because we refuse the lordship of Jesus in our complete lives. Only the lordship of Jesus can bring the peace humanity desperately searches for. What this looks like is what God has given us. Stop rest and delight in him. Stand with me. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. God, that you actually designed rest. That you designed us for rest. God, I pray for every student in this room tonight that over the next even 48 hours, they would find a moment so they could really, truly, honestly stop. They could rest and they can delight in who you are. That our focus wouldn't be so inward on the stuff we have to do and what I need to get done and my, ooh, the things I've got to do, but we can focus on who God is. Jesus, I thank you for your mercy, that you don't look at us and think, oh, come on. But God, that when we delight in you, our innocence radiates like the dawn. God, I want to pause just for a moment and even focus on that word innocent. God, for every student in this room tonight that could not describe themselves as innocent because of stuff in their past, because of stuff going on even right now, God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show them that you are trying to make their innocence, which still exists through you, radiate like the dawn. God, thank you for who you are. Jesus, we love you, and in your name we pray. Amen.